tem. Numbers 13, 17. <clears throat> and Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land where it is. Or what it is. Notice that, what it is. And see the land, what it is. And the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And notice verse 19 again, and what the land is that they dwell in. Whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in whether in tents or in strongholds. And verse 20, and what the land is. Again, noticing what it was. Whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin and Rehob as men came to Hamath. Verse number 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and shewed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, or told him, and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell in, by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the, of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the Jats, the son of Anak, which came, which come of the Jats, and we were in our own sights as grasshoppers. 
and so we are, or we were in our in their sight. In essence, in essence, these ten spies were saying, Moses, it is what it is. I'm not preaching it is what it is. I'm preaching is it what it is? Because a lot of times what it seems to be is not what it really is. Come on, let's love him before we're seated. I'm praying, God, that you would move on our hearts today, open up our minds and our ears to our heart help us to see what you're trying to speak to us today help me to deliver it and be anointed give me strength and energy in my body and voice and everybody said in Jesus name you can be seated the exact origin or the moment when the phrase it is what it is was first coined cannot be pinpointed I've said that very statement myself many times. I heard somebody say it, and it sounded kind of cool, and I, I thought, well, I'll just use that sometime. I'm going to try not to use that statement as much as I have, if at all, after this message today. Because if you're not careful, you can get into a realm of thought and believing that what we say, because the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So whatever you're thinking and dwelling on, whatever you start believing is how you're going to speak and what you're speaking is how you're going to recognize the conditions of your life. And I want to speak to somebody today. You may have very adverse and horrible situations in your life that you have to live by. But I'm telling you today emphatically, if you will listen to me, pastor is trying to tell somebody, if you'll get down to business with your faith in God and trusting in Him, God is able to change your circumstances and make it better in your life. And I say that and I wonder sometimes if we really believe what I just said. We, we want to believe it and we, we try to believe it, but sometimes it's very difficult for us to have faith in the midst of adversity. When you're not feeling good and you have health problems, it's hard to have faith. When things are falling apart in your family, it's very difficult to have faith that it's going to get better. But somebody needs to hear me today. God is still all-powerful. He is still mighty. He's still the God of glory that has everything in control. He's better than all state. He's better than all state. Amen. All state may have you in their hands and control your insurance, but he controls your whole life. He controls everything around you. He controls your circumstances. Everybody stand to your feet right now. Everybody stand to your feet. Everybody, come on. 
I'm not seeing you. Stand up, Jonathan. I said stand up. There you go. Come on. Stand up. Stand up right here. There you go. Brother Gonzalez, do me a favor and stand up. I know it's hard. Stand up. Is that everybody? You standing up? All right. Thank you for standing. God bless you. I just wanted to be preaching and have everybody get on their feet one time while I was preaching. You can be seated. Some of you have never stood up while I'm preaching. I broke that rule today. I broke that rule today. You stood up while I was preaching. You want God to deliver you. You want God to help you. You want God to bless you. And some of you can't even get excited about preaching. You can't get excited about faith and the power of God. I'm telling you, if you want God to start working for you, you're going to have to start working with God and have some faith in your life. Y'all may not want me to preach every other week. But I get a little cocky sometimes when I preach. When I get to study and I get pumped up on the word, I get I get so I get to thinking how great God is and I get positive. Amen. I am positive this morning that we need to get our minds off of and our eyes off of our situation and say it is what it is. We need to quit looking at it and say it is what I what it is. We need to quit being negative and saying it is what it is. I'm telling you, it's not what you think it is. You just gotta see through different eyes. You may expect this term to have originated from work of literature or a poem like many phrases that came out of Shakespeare. However, the earliest known written reference dates back to 1949 with that statement, it is what it is, in the New York Times. The phrase appeared in a column written by J.E. Lawrence in the Nebraska State Journal, and he wrote, talking about the land, he said, new land is harsh and vigorous and sturdy. It scorns evidence of weakness. There is nothing of sham or hypocrisy in it. It is what it is without an apology. It's unknown if Lawrence created this phrase or not. But since that day, mid way through the 20th century, it steadily rose in popularity. It really took off in the 1900s and 2000, and today you hear it frequently in sports and in business and in politics. What does it is what it is really mean? Though there's no official dictionary definition of this phrase, you can figure out the meaning of it. It is what it is based on how the person uses it. When someone says this, it is often an expression of frustration 
or resignation and acceptance of their situation. For example, when someone asks why something bad happened, the person to blame may have already apologized. When there's nothing left to say or no way to answer the questions about what really happened, it is what it is, puts an end to the conversation, usually with the shrug of the shoulders. And another way of saying, I don't like it either, but there's nothing that you or I can do about it. Certain phrases seem to creep into our vocabulary without us really even noticing it. Before we know it, everybody's saying it, and it becomes a regular part of how we respond to situations on the job or in our home. Major Andrew Stedman is an Army officer who was passionate about developing leaders. Here is what he said about the phase, it is what it is. In, in 2007, he said, I arrived in Baghdad is the commander of the Army Infantry, com a company of about 300 soldiers. And as I spent time with that unit, we were replacing, I noticed they were quite fond of a phrase that I had not even heard yet. He said they would say things like this, the Iraqi Army unit cannot show up on an operation on time, but it is what it is. We've got a small outpost here, and the parking is very tight, but it is what it is. We took a lot of casualties in this certain area, so you should be prepared for that. It is what it is. And that unit used this phrase to explain or excuse action and inaction, misfortune and blessing and success and failure. It is what it is has evolved from words to the mindset and has permeated the units of culture. Here's the problem with us using this in our mentality. It shrugs responsibility and shuts down creative problem solving and concedes defeat. A leader who uses the expression, it is a leader that is facing a challenge and he has failed to overcome it and explained away the episode as it is what it is because of my circumstances. It is what what it is, is an admission that the problem is too hard for me. It's too great for me. And it suppresses the attitude that leads us to creative, unseen solutions. Here's what you're really saying when you use this phrase, it is what it is. The situation is bad, and I wish things 
things were different, but I just don't have it in me to try and fix it. It is what it is. It is the super cool way of avoiding, avoiding embarrassment. Others can argue against it. No one can refute it. It stops any constructive communication right in its tracks. And if you ask a person why something can't be accomplished and his or her response is, it is what it is, then there is no moving forward on that program. Once you start using that phrase, it runs the risk of becoming a mindset that can never be overcome. Let's face it. It is what it is, is a super fun thing to say. It rolls off the tongue with utmost of grace and ease. Throw in a little shrug of the shoulders, a little half smile, and pretty soon you've got a nice little character trait going your way. The problem is that it can be really addicting to us. It is what it is for everything in your life. If you're having bad relationships with people and you can't get along, you can say, well, it just is what it is. When your health is falling apart, it is what it is. When your job situation is horrible, it is what it is. When your marriage is falling apart, it is what it is. When your children on drugs and alcohol it is what it is not going to church and, and not having relationship with God it just is what it is when you think about it everything is what it is you are really just started stating the obvious in fact the only thing that isn't what it is is a lie Let's all be honest with ourselves and with each other. When we're faced with a challenge, you don't know how to deal with it. And instead of saying, it is what it is, how about being truthful at that moment? Stick your finger in your ears, close your eyes, and repeatedly say, no, it is not what it is. It is not what it is. I refuse to accept what it is. It's what you accept it to be. It is only what you allow it to be. If you don't accept it, if you're stepping up the plate willing to change it, it will not stay what it is, it will be changed. If you can somehow get the faith, if you can somehow step up to the plate, if you can somehow believe, I'm telling you with God, anything can happen. Your future can change. Your marriage can change. Your life can change. But you got to believe that. When God speaks, he speaks when men's Wisdom is worthless. When we don't have it all together, God can speak and it can change. I remember standing in men's conference years ago 
one of the lowest times in my life. My wife was standing by me. We couldn't find the will of God. Didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Nothing was opening up for me. No doors. Nobody wanted me to preach. And I was standing there feeling like a loser and a nobody. And I couldn't figure out my future. And Brother Martin Buster walked by, laid his hands on us, and said, God told me he's about to open a door west of here. I was standing in Tioga, Louisiana at a men's conference. My wife was me because a lot of ladies came. And I called her and she came on down. And we were standing there with tears flowing down our eyes. And the reason I was crying because I had already told my wife, I'm sick of this. People pat me on the back, trying to encourage me, say, Gandhi, it's going to get better. God's going to open the door. I told my wife, I said, if they're so smart, why don't they tell me when he's going to open that door? Why don't they tell me where God's going to send me? And I was starting to get an attitude. I was getting angry at God because my situation was so bad. But Brother Brustard said, he's fixing to open a door soon west of here. Two weeks later, I was pastor of this church. Maybe three weeks, about three weeks later, I was pastor of this church. I'm telling you, when God really speaks, it can change your situation overnight. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you've been about half angry at God because of your situation. But I'm telling you, it's time for you to wake up and realize it's not what it is. It is not what it is. It's not what it looks like. You just got to get down to business with God. You got to start paying a price. You got to... I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in my years in the ministry and I'd be talking to them about a bad situation in their life and I'd say, have you guys really prayed about it? No, sir. I'm going to tell you, I feel at that moment I want to strangle them. I can't help it. I just, I want to just grab them around the neck and just choke them until they start getting blue and say, now how do you like that? You want to come talk to me to try to give you advice on your situation and you don't even care enough to spend any time in prayer? God, help us to wake up and realize that we have that privilege that God has given us that anybody can walk toward him and into his presence. Anybody can come into the presence of God because Jesus Christ died on the cross and when he died, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, opening up the door that we can go to the throne of God boldly. You can go to God yourself. You can find an answer yourself. You can hear the voice of God yourself, but you gotta get out of that carnality. You gotta get out of that doubt and fear, and you gotta be willing to pay the price of prayer and fasting yourself. Preachers are always talking about fasting. 
always talking about fasting. And I know you get tired of hearing that. I'm working on a way that you can fast without getting hungry, but I've never been able to do that. I'm working on it. I want to be the inventor. I'd be really high up in the UPC organization if I could invent a way to fast and not get hungry. They say, oh, there's Brother Candy. He's the guy that invented that new program of how you can fast and not get hungry. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, it's not going to happen. You're right. It's not going to happen. Did y'all hear what your pastor's wife said? It is what it is. Well, I guess that's okay to use it on that. It ain't going to change. It's not going to change. I don't think it's going to change if you die. You'll go on a fast, but it won't be your calling. But we get to talking about fasting. Nobody wants to hear that. But Dale's got a problem, and, and he's coming Say, brother, guy, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you, man. We we got some problems. Sister Peterson's not treating me right. She's she won't even cook dinner for me anymore. She makes me get up at four o'clock in the morning and do chores, and she just sits around and all she does is relax and does nothing. And we got some problems. And I say, brother Dale, uh, I want I want to ask you something. Go on a little fast and do a little prayer. Oh no, but again, I won't do that. You got to give me an answer. See, now I might be pastor, and I pray for wisdom. And I'm a pretty smart guy. I am. I, I got some good ideas on some stuff. I've been through stuff. I, I've gone through enough stuff that I have experience, and I can help you in a lot of situations. But there's some things, even in my wisdom, even in my experience, I can't help you with. Brother Dale, you're going to have to get down to business with God, you're going to have to get that old flesh under subjection and go on a little fast and go on prayer and start praying that Debbie would love you more and would make you get up earlier and she would start cooking for you. And I'm using them because they're here close. There's no problem that I know of. <laughs> they're here close. and I, I saw them. Could have been y'all. It could have been you. I just picked them because they came first. But Brother Dale... It, it, you know, you're, you're going to have to take the initiative to say it is not what it is. When you take the, the, the stance of it is what it is, you have surrendered. You have said there's no hope. You have said to God, I don't believe you can show up. You have proved by your actions and your thoughts that God, I'm not even going to give you a chance to change it. But somebody needs to hear me today. You need to give God an opportunity. You need to let God do some things he's never done in your life before. You need to listen to God because God's trying to tell you that I can do all things if you will only believe me. A lot of people have this mentality. <clears throat> they want God to do everything. 
But they don't want to do anything. Okay, I'll use y'all now. <laughs> They're living together, not married. Y'all are married, right? <laughs> I, I, I already knew that, but I want to make sure before I went any further. They're married, okay? But they're not married. They're living together. He comes down here, comes up the altar. He's feeling all kind of, you're, going, you're never going to feel the joy and the freedom and the Holy Ghost that God wants you to feel. He wants to give you the fruit of His Spirit. You're never going to get all of that if you're not under submission to Him. And so he and she are living together. They're not married. He comes up here and, and, and come on up here. Come on up here. And, and he said, Brother God, I just need a touch of God and love. I'm, things are not going. I, I just lay hands on him and you jump around a little bit and come on. You, there you go and spin around. Come on, spin around. Well, come on, scream. Yeah! Come on, I feels good. Woo! Woo! Feels good. Come on, it feels good, don't it? Scream it out. It feels good. Woo! I feel great. Well, I feel great. Okay. I'm going to use you. You're going to do everything I tell you to do. Okay. You go back and sit down. Now, he goes home. They still living together. Still sinning. Still doing the same thing he was doing and expects God to bless it. Boy, this is good preaching. He expects God to just pour out those blessings on him. And then you got another situation like him. <laughs> he goes home and he tells his wife every negative thing he saw in church. He tells her everything he's heard and she agrees with him. Now, I'm just using them as an example because this couple... Zero of that, okay? Zero. They're a model couple. Do you like that? You ought to been clapping your hand or something. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, okay. So he goes and fills her ear and she fills his ear. And then they're running Sister Young down because she's sitting up on the front. She's trying to get all the preacher's attention. And she's trying to be noticed. And so they're running her down. And there must be something wrong because Brother Young's sitting back there on the back. They're not sitting together today. So they got to be having marital problems, you know. You know, they got to be having marital problems. And, and, and Sister Bradshaw, do you notice how she's always, she always smiling? There's something got to be wrong with her. You can't smile that much. You can't smile that much. And, and, and they could just go on and on and on. And then he comes to church and the Holy Ghost is moving. Preacher's preaching and, and he comes up here and, and said, Bug, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really feeling bad. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I've been saying things I shouldn't say. You know, I, it's been hard. I've been, I've been listening to the devil. I've been listening to him. He's been the devil. Yeah. I've been saying things I shouldn't say. I said way too much. Yeah, way too much. But you didn't say what I said, say. <laughs> I've been saying too much stuff. Okay, that's still not what I said, but that's all. He don't remember it. All right. And so I said, well, Brother Jonah, 
God will take care of that right now. Turn your faith loose. And I lay my hands on him. He bounces up and down. He jumps up and down. He spins around. Oh, he gets excited. He takes off running. Woo! Woo! And he shouts and he screams. Woo! I feel better. I feel better. Woo! I feel better. I feel better. Yes. He goes home. His wife says, what are you doing that for? You know better than that. You still got Sister Young sitting up there and Brother Young and, and Sister Bradshaw and all this stuff is going on. Pastor's probably stealing money out of the candy fund and there's just no telling what's going on. And she fills his ear and he said, well, I, I know, baby, but, you know, I, I just needed some relief from that. See, he should have said, you know what? We're going to change our house. Honey, I love you. But we're going to change. You're not going to say those things to me anymore. And I'm not going to talk negative to you anymore. I'm not going to run anybody down anymore. I'm not going to be hypocritical. I'm going to be what I need to be with God. I'm going to be genuine. I'm going to be the real deal. I'm going to be a true Christian. I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's going to be better when you make that. I'll use you now, Brother Mike. And Sister Cindy, she's the church secretary. So here I am. Oh, Brother Mike, you know, his wife's church secretary, but he don't think paying tithes is God's plan. But he does. He does. Mike's the kind of guy that if you were, if I were to send him to my house and say, Brother Mike, would you go over there at my house, in my house, on my, here's the key, on, there's a drill laying on the table. I meant to bring it, I went on and forgot it. And, and he'll run over there and he'll look and there'll be a drill and a $100 bill laying there. And he'll say, I wonder why he left that out. Must be taking an offering. He'd say, there's 20 more for it. He'd get the drill and he'd come back. That's, that's the kind of guy he is. I'd give him a key to my house anytime. Well, he'd been in prison. I said, I'd give him a key to my house anytime. I, I'd let him know stuff that some people I wouldn't dare let know because I trust the guy, trust her. If we don't trust our church secretary, we're in trouble. <laughs> but Mike doesn't believe in paying tithes. And so... He goes home and Cindy says, are you paid your tithe? No, no, I, 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 I just, you know, I, I just, I just can't see it, Cindy. I work hard and all that preacher does is lay around, eat fried chicken and sleep. <laughs> One of my uncles, her uncle, mine by marriage, used to say, well, every time I'd go see them, every time we'd have a family get together, well, here comes the preacher. Y'all get the chicken ready. <laughs> Finally, one day I got enough of it and I said, Glenn, it's been so long since you have gone to church. You don't even know that preachers are eating steak and lobster now. <laughs> he never said that again. I shut him up. I shut him up. And so Mike, he don't want to pay tithes. And then 
church happened one day, and I'm preaching. Come on, Brother Mike comes up there at the end. He said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I haven't been paying time. I'm so sorry. I, I, I want to do right. I want to do right. I want to do right. And I said, well, Brother Mike, I'll, I'll pray for you. And God will, God, will, God will make a difference. I lay hands on him, and he gets to trembling. He gets to trembling and shaking. And all of a sudden, he says, God, I mean business. And he, he just jumps up and down and, and, and makes a lap around like he does, you know. Yeah. And he goes back and sits down with Cindy. And, and Cindy says, Mike, we didn't pay our tithes this week. He says, oh, well, we, we, we'll get it later. That touch hadn't done anything for him if he don't help God. That touch didn't do anything to him if he don't work with God and work against his flesh. That, that, that touch that he got and that touch that he got, that doesn't do them one bit of good. It, it, it does for a moment. It makes you feel good. But if you go right back into that same rut and you start picking up those same habits, that same frame of mind, if you start acting just like you acted, you're not allowing God to make a difference in your life. God only makes a difference when we listen to Him. Stand up. I can use her because she's as faithful as they get. I guess besides her mother, one of the best saints I've ever pastored. <laughs> Boy, that's good when it says Sandra. I said something the other day kidding with her and she didn't like it. I'm doing everything in the world. Get back in her grace. I'm, I'm getting close. But this girl right here, you know, she's up there singing. Boy, she sings good. Amen. Looking good. Amen. Amen. Looking good. The guys are starting to think that. All words got out. I promise you words got out. But, you know, she just got a problem. She wants to be up there. She wants to be seen. But she don't want to make it for prayer time. <laughs> Boy, I come in the back door on this message, didn't I? Did I sneak in and on this message? And she would rather stay out in the foyer and visit than pray. I use the term, she'd rather play than pray. But I want to be up front. I want to be used of God. I want, I want to be... And so, she don't make it. She don't pray. She don't ever think about, you know, I might ought to call my pastor so he won't worry about me when I miss church. And so, text me, call me. She don't ever do that. She might be here and might not. Poor Brother Cruz is pulling that dark, thick hair out of his head because she's driving him crazy. And he's on the verge of setting her down. And he don't want to have to do it because his aunt and his mama and his family and his grandma 
they're all be wondering why. Why are you doing her that way? He tries to explain it, and oh, it's just a mess. And so she comes to church, and I just got through preaching, and we got an altar call, and she comes up, and, and, and oh, boy. She said, but God, I want to do better. I want to do better. I want to be, be a better saint. I want to be a better saint. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. Okay, let me pray for you. And so I lay hands on her, and she gets to shaking. You know, she just, oh, yeah, yeah. she gets to shaking. And then she spins around a little bit. Oh, yes, yes, you're not excited. Come on, I'm going to pray for you again. She's getting excited. And then she takes off and runs a little bit. And she runs back, and she jumps up, and she spins around, and she's so excited. <laughs> And then she goes home and, you know, she's doing good. And then Amy Jane had to call a prayer meeting. <laughs> Sister Amy Jane had to tell everybody she felt to the Lord we ought to be at prayer meeting. And she called Pastor, Pastor, you, you think maybe we ought to be there Monday night in prayer? I said, yeah, sounds good to me, Sister Amy Jane. She says, I ain't going to prayer meeting. I got other stuff to do. And then Wednesday night comes around, and prayer time's at 7. She shows up about 7.31, walks in here, goes in my office, and wants for the crews to give her the title of the course, and she wants to get up front and be used. I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't work that way, folks. Uh, I'm the old school. I mean, you know, whenever God gets through with me, moves me on, some of you can rejoice and say, wow, we finally got rid of that old goat. Old school. Thanks all that stuff. I'm of the old school. I believe if you're going to be up front, if you're going to be a leader in the church, you need to be an example. Now, does that mean that everybody's in leadership is perfect? No. It doesn't mean we're perfect. But it means we're trying our best to live a submitted life to God. And we're faithful. I'm faithful with my attendance. I'm faithful with my prayer life. I'm faithful with my worship. I'm faithful with my relationship. I'm faithful with my giving. I'm one of those that when preaching is going on every once in a while, just to let pastor know I'm on the same team, I'm gonna stand up and say hallelujah. I'm, I'm one of those that's gonna be a worshiper to be excited about my church and about what's going on. I'm going to be one of those that's going to give to the kingdom. I'm going to give to missions. I'm going to give to my church. I'm going to give for the work of God because I love it. And it may look bad. We've had some bad looking times in our church. We've had some times that I've been preaching about longer than I thought. I apologize. I did not realize I was preaching that long. God speaks when all hope is lost. God speaks when the situation looks irreversible. 
I said God speaks when your situation looks impossible. God speaks to us when human effort is no longer enough. It doesn't matter what your background, your age, your DNA, your complexion, your tribe, your degree, your profession, your wisdom, the size of your bank account. None of that is important to God. What's important to Him is submission. Because God is still on His throne and His power is still all-powerful. And with God, your mess can turn into a message. Your insult can turn into a result. Your shame can turn into fame. Your story can be turned into his glory. Your child can be turned into a testimony. Your life is only what you accept it to be. It is not. It is what it is. And if somebody will hear me today and take what I preach to you and apply it to your life, you're going to see your mentality spiritually, physically, mentally, uh, emotionally, even financially change. Because you've heard me today. Would you stand? Can you imagine?